You are listening to Perspectives, a podcast designed for God's people and those wanting to know him more. I am your host, David Howard. Thank you for joining me as I share God's word with you. My desire is that each episode speaks to your heart while answering your prayers in the most wonderful way. I thank you all for your continued prayers as I've been recovering from a lingering month-long cough. I am often asked about my material and how it comes to being, and my response is twofold. The first is whatever message I share, I must first apply it to myself. And secondly, and most important, is allowing God to be magnified through the message I shared as revealed in John chapter 3, verse 30, when John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. In the days of my youth, I recall evenings at the dinner table, and each of us, my brother, my sister, and I, were given an opportunity to say a verse or a blessing before each meal. Being the youngest, of course, I was most often last, as my hope was that neither my brother or sister would say the one that I was most prepared for, which was either Jesus wept or God is love. While each in their simplicity served as a biblical benchmark in my life, it was not until I was much older and experienced that I honestly began to understand the depth and complexity of their true value and worth. First John chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Today's podcast is simply titled, God is Love. All through history, countless novels, songs, plays, movies, and poems have been scripted about love. As remarkable as some may be, even bringing us to the point of tears, there is no equivalent to God's perfected love towards us. In fact, in his hymn, The Love of God by F.M. Lehman wrote, where every man ascribed by trade, it would be impossible to write the love of God above. Suppose I was able to pour the entirety of the world's oceans, an estimated 343 million trillion gallons, that's a whole bunch of zeros, into a single 16 ounce glass. That is an extraordinary feat and visual, but it still pales in comparison to the unrelenting nature of God's love towards us. Therefore, the next time we glance indifferently over the simplistic nature, for example, of John 3.16, for God so loved the world, because we have read and heard and memorized it repeatedly until it becomes commonplace, take a moment to give it the consideration it deserves. God will reserve nothing in his ceaseless determination to love us, 
So much so he abandoned his heavenly home to dwell among us, his creation, his people, his chosen treasure. The Lord treasures us. We are his jewels formed by years of pressure, trials and tribulations. He says, now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5. Since the beginning of time, God has sought to repair the separation between he and humanity. One caused by our sin. A chasm so great it required the highest sacrifice. One that could only be made by a blameless Savior. One in whom no sin was found. Jesus, he loved us that much, wanting to show us a more perfect way, not one scripted in the rigidity of religious doctrine and practices, but in the purest essence of himself. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8. Our lives should be a testimony of God's love. Our love for one another should be proof that he abides in us and we in him. For scripture tells us how can we love God whom we have not seen, but hate our brother who it is we see every day. How so you ask? Galatians 5 and 22 tells us, but the fruit of the spirit, is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Just as well in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 9 through 11 tell us, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atonement sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The death and resurrection of Christ is a bill paid in full. The entirety of redemption's price. Every ounce of God's love, because we, you and I, mean that much to him, is priceless. We were created for his pleasure. In Genesis chapter one and verse 26, it tells us when he spoke these words, let us make man in our likeness. While in the garden, God gave us dominion over all things, the beast of the field, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air. 
Our relationship was such that we were able to walk and commune with him in the cool of the day. However, when we stopped loving him, when we continually ignored his plea, the banner of his love ceased not to overshadow us. He loves us so much that when harm is imminent, he causes his angels to encamp about us, preventing it from coming nigh against us. Over and again, he provokes us and leads us as a good shepherd. If he had cause to seek out just one of us, just one single person, scripture affirms on more than a few occasions he had would given his life if it was just to redeem one. He would have suffered the same indignation for it is not his desire that any be lost. As 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 reads, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but his long suffering to us ward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The key word is all, not some. Yes, every single one of us is precious in his sight. The abundance of his love spared Adam and Eve in the garden. He permitted Cain to live even though he deserved to die after murdering his brother Abel out of jealousy. His love kept Noah and his family upon the waters until they subsided when he could have destroyed the entirety of humanity in the flood. He walked and conferred with Adam. He built a nation from Jacob who deceived his brother Esau, turned a slave Joseph into a prince to spare the Hebrews during a time of famine, and a prince of Egypt, Moses, into a servant to deliver them after 400 years of bondage <coughs> and spared just Lot from the ruin of the city of Sodom. These and so, so many others serve as confirmation of God's overflowing, abundant love towards us. The Bible, every verse and chapter comprised of the greatest love letter ever written. He sent his only begotten son, born in a manger, worshiped by kings, a carpenter's son, <coughs> baptized of John, driven to the wilderness, tempted of Satan. He fed the multitude, gave sight to the blind, caused the lame to walk, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, and cast out evil spirits. By humanity's standard, and admittedly so, that would have been enough. But the ransom of our salvation was far greater. <laughs> Not simply measured as deeds done, but the greatest measure of love, one that cost everything, a life that was and is the totality of redemption's love. There were no other options. There was no other way. They nailed Jesus Emmanuel, God with us to the cross. 
Nine excruciating hours, he hung still beyond the contempt towards him. Love triumphed, allowing him to utter these words. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Sudden darkness befell the land, and when he cried aloud, My God, my God, the suffering he endured was because of us, our sins, and for us, his love. Jesus uttered in great travail his feelings of abandonment as the sins of the world at that instant were placed upon him, the only begotten of the Father, Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. In his hour of need of the multitude that followed days earlier, there was none except the few that remained at the foot of the cross along with the centurion who affirmed surely he was the son of God. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54. That is not simply love as we define it. It is agape, a Greek word for love that as Alyssa wrote would describe as pure, willful, sacrificial love that desires another and its highest good. <clears throat> he did something for all eternity that no man was ever able to do. He willingly gave his life. But God commanded his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. The greatest gift anyone can offer is unconditional love. Not only towards those that we have judged worthy, but those as well that do not. While it may not seem fair based on today's standard, <clears throat> it is an example we must set that the world may know God is alive in his people. God's love is not fair. It is just. And now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. Thank you once more for listening. I truly value your feedback. If you like what you have heard, please subscribe or leave a comment on the Anchor or Spotify platforms or send me an email at howarddc42 at yahoo.com. I would like to also once more offer a wonderful Bible study hosted via Zoom by 
Pastor Gerald Wilcoxon of Mount Sinai Institutional Baptist Church in North Chicago, Illinois, each Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again. Thank you.